1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yak Gadgets. For all your fine quality kayak fishing accessories. Go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, cooler, and lighter. Go to pelican.com. And the 153 Bait Company. For all your hard and soft bait needs. Go to the 153angler.com. Now let's join our special guest around the campfire. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Feather and Fur Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hurlbus, and today we have Jay Thomas on the show. He is the owner of Blind Grass, a synthetic grass, so we're going to bring him right in. Welcome to the show, Jay. I appreciate you coming on. How y'all doing? I'm doing really good. I'm, I'm getting pretty excited, to be honest. Northern Duck Opener is this Saturday, so I'm pretty excited. Excellent. Duck, I mean, duck season's about ready to fire off in Wisconsin here. Very good. And I brought you on the show because I just was actually introduced to your product, which is blind grass. And it's completely different than anything I've ever used before. And I was instantly sold the first time I saw it. Well, thank you. That's good to hear. Um, and we've been, well, we started, um, I've been looking for something like this for years and years. Um, started testing this, I think four years ago and started selling it three years ago and yet this august was our third anniversary and it's just been great i mean it we we haven't had a single order come back because somebody didn't like the product or a single you know nobody's complained right. everybody um only thing the complaints we have now is we're out of stock on a lot of stuff <laughs> i'm I mean, looking at the website, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can tell, like, I'm assuming you had a pretty big run. Like, you're, I'm assuming your business is growing quite a bit quickly because every all of a sudden I had never heard of you. And then one person that a couple people I ordered, I've now had multiple people I know order from you already. 
And it seems like it's just this huge ball rolling in the little circle I know. So I'm assuming that's kind of happening throughout the country. Yeah, it's um, it really has. We said it started something like three years ago, and it I'd really started making it for uh, uh, we we you know, pit blinds a lot, and then we hunt the marsh, and. You know, you get a bad storm or something come through or just hadn't brushed the blind. Pit blinds, you got to brush them every day because you got people coming, getting out, in and out, and a dog's running around, breaks the grass up. Or you get a storm come through at night and dumps an inch of rain and it knocks all the grass down. So I'd go like to try to plan different places because you get off work at 5 o'clock and go into the camp and you don't have to, you get there, it's after dark. You don't want to go cut rosos or cut salt grass or anything. Or you got to go that next morning and it's in the dark. So started looking for something and played around with different stuff. And I'd go like to Hobby Lobby and look at their stuff. Good God, it was expensive. Right. Um, I didn't like the way the other mats looked. I never tried them, but it was all, um, they were all just one color, you know, and it didn't blend in with anything. The other, other mats I saw. And once they started looking about right, you know, they started getting different colors on them. They uh, a little mildew and stuff. That's when they disintegrate. Right. So just uh, played around with different stuff and then finally found what we're currently using now. Four years ago, we tested it that year, left it in the back of my truck all summer, um, see if it faded, see if anything happened to it. And it's just stayed the same. And now we've got people been using for three years. And they say they send me pictures saying this. You can't tell the difference between this and what I got last week. That, I mean, that says a lot right there. I mean, it almost might get bad for business as word gets out. You're not going to have any repeat customers. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that is going to hurt. Because uh, uh, I'm not sure, we can't, not sure how long it's really going to last. We rate it for five years if you leave it out all the time. Sure. Um, but we have, last I looked, I think it's one in four per people. If they bought one time, they, they re-bought. They purchased again. And I don't know. It's like people get addicted to brushing their blinds now that they don't. And they'll just brush their boats and send pictures. And it's great because uh, they'll order. And then their friends order. They order for their friends. And it's just taken off like crazy. I was looking for, because I'm a big kayak hunter. I got a big boat as well. But like for the kayak, I don't want a grass that holds water because I'm already in the water. It's, it's a light boat. I'm paddling it, or I have a really small mud motor for it, and weight is my enemy. So I wanted a grass or a blind material that was synthetic that didn't take water up. And you're, pr- as far as I can tell, you're the only one on the market. Yeah, and that's something I didn't think about. Um, I didn't think about all the people that have hunt with boat blinds. And it's just a kajillion people that hunt boat blinds. And when we first started selling it that first year, and then I'd start getting messages or calling people up north saying, man, this stuff is, it doesn't hold water. When it freezes, it doesn't add a bunch of weight. It doesn't get waterlogged and heavy. It doesn't freeze and break like the other stuff. And it doesn't, uh, it doesn't mildew, doesn't rot, and it's going to last. You know, it's, I've got people that drive three hours to get to the blind and, I mean, get to their, their boat launch, which is crazy to me. Uh, <laughs> They do it. And I, I feel bad. I said, man, we're 45 minutes away. We have a camp just so we can go spend the night there the night before and, and cook and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, the boat 
boat blinds have really taken off for us. I mean, that's where I stumbled into it. And I we don't do much for pit blinds in Wisconsin. I'm not even – I don't even think they're legal on private land. I'd have, I've never looked into it because I don't even own the land to do it. But I'm not even 100% sure they're even legal on private land in Wisconsin. Um, so, like, that's never an application. But as soon as I saw it, I'm like, for the kayak, for the big boat, like you said, it's not going to freeze. It's not – I mean, you'll have a little water splash freeze on it, but it's not going to soak up a bunch of water when you try to put your blind down if it's been – if you're in that freezing rain and then it switches to snow and and now all of a sudden it's 25 degrees out. I mean, I've had it before where my blind is – like, you can't collapse it because it's a frozen solid sheet of reed, like fake grass. Well, it's not even fake grass. It's real grass that's just all tied to my boat. Yeah, that's what I kept hearing from people. It's like, man, it's – that other grass, you get it, and it's like a death trap. Yeah. Where you try, try, try travel down the water, and you got so much extra weight on you, especially if it's frozen. Then you got it's gonna break. Right. I mean, you're gonna have. I mean, you're gonna have to redo it. I mean, just the weight alone. I mean, I remember one hunt. I was hunting the Horicon Marsh, and we were breaking ice the whole way out. We got the blind set up. By the time we left, we had so much weight from ice. I could barely, I, I almost couldn't get my boat on plane. I had to go around in a half circle to get the boat, like to hop up on plane. It was so heavy by the time I, everything was done. Wow. And I, yeah, we don't, we don't have that much problem around like that around here. Um, it's supposed to get down in the fifties Wednesday night, I think. And um, everybody here is just planning gumbo because it's going to be so cold. <laughs> down to fifties. <50s. laughs> And then you're out of Louisiana, correct? Right. Yeah, out of Lafayette, Louisiana. All right. Um, so we're down by the, by the coast a little bit. Very nice. I know you. I know we talked briefly, and, and you got you lucked out, and the hurricane kind of skirted you. You didn't have too much damage or anything. Yeah, we got really lucky with that. It um, um, it looked like it was coming more towards us. Uh, it took that eastern turn and went up there, but man, those people there just got demolished. I mean, it's uh, Grand Isle, we go fish a lot down the coast. It, it, they said Saturday it's still uh, three to six months before they get electricity. That's crazy. I can't imagine being without power for that long. Oh, it's and it's there's still houses on the roads there. Um, and it, I saw where uh, one of the one of the big uh, boats, offshore boats for uh, oil and gas companies in, in Port Fouchon. Port Fouchon is where United States. 25% of our energy comes through Port Fouchon, and that's where um, Item made landfall right there. So All right. It's, it's, it's going to be hurting for a while. But they recorded, one of the big service boats there recorded a wind of 223 miles an hour. That's crazy. I can't even I can't even fathom. And it, that's, it's a gust, but I mean, the sustained winds on a hurricane are what blow my mind. I mean, we get tornadoes up here, which is a completely different animal, but I can't imagine that type of sustained wind over a period of time because things just are going to fail. Like they're not, I mean, even if you build it for like better building materials and everything else, right. But that much sustained wind is going to stress and test and things are just going to fail. Yeah. It's awful. I mean, we, we got hit, Lake Charles got hit twice last year and um, uh, Grand Isle, Fouchon, New Orleans, everybody else got hit, hit with this one. So it's, it's just rough. I mean, it, this one went all the way up the East Coast. So it was just a bad deal. And I'm hopefully we're through with them for the year. 
Yeah, hopefully that season's over, that's for sure. So why don't you tell us about, I mean, for everyone listening, because we've been talking about like what this amazing product is, we haven't told anybody what we're actually talking about yet. Um, well, the, the website is uh, blindgrass.com, which I was surprised that I could get that name, you know, when we started looking at it a few years ago. And right. as a grass, um, we make it in uh, two different mat sizes. Uh, we have a 23, uh, 24 inches wide by 33 inches tall, and it's sewn on one end and the other is loose. And that's where a lot of like pip lines are weaving it through stuff. Um, and then we have 24 inches wide by 48 inches tall, four feet tall. And, uh, that's sewn 14 inches from each end. So it'll stand and that, that much will stand up on its own, which makes it different from other grasses too. Um, it's, um, the reason we make it two feet wide is cause it's sewn with a, uh, zinc rubber coated zinc wire. So it won't rust. But if you All cut right. it, it's gonna it's gonna unravel. So we make it two inches wide, two feet wide. But we have started making them where there there's extra wire on all four points, so you can weave them together, connect all the mats together. Got uh, it. We have three different colors. We have a fall blend, which is uh, a pretty our most popular color. It's has a different tans and browns in it, and. Um, we have a rice corn stalk Johnson grass color, a dead grass color. That's a little Electric. lighter. It has a little mildew in it looking like. Oh, that's not working. Um, and then we have a wintergreen blend for uh, people that hunt ryegrass and stuff like that. And then we also have a uh, loose grass, which is called bundle grass. And it's uh, individual strands, four feet tall. And you just bundle them up or however you want to attach them to your stuff. And that's what I, I went with. What, what stuff you got? I went with 20 pounds. I went with the 20 pounds of loose. So I can use it. Yep. Um, I think 20 pounds will be enough for my blind when it's said and done. I'm nah, I might have to order more. Um, we'll see how it we'll see how it all works out and how much better I want it to be. Um, because that's for my big boat. I think my I have a banded axe combo shore blind, so it's only nine feet of the boat. But I like to be pretty concealed, so I'm not sure 20 is going to be quite enough for my application on a 16-foot boat with that 9-foot blind. It'd be plenty for a kayak, though. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. I mean for a kayak, that'd be more than enough. Um, yeah, because the kayaks are not going to take that much. Um, yeah, I get calls every day about people saying, I got this boat. How, how much do you think? Yeah, it just depends on how much you how much brush you want to have it on there. Um you know, here, by the time we spent the belly hunt, we, our duck seasons, have, our ducks, we just don't get them as much here anymore. Um, but we spent the belly hunt, and, you know, by the time they get to us, they've seen everything. They've heard everything. And down here, every 700 yards, you got four coonasses has been blowing a goose call since they were four years old, sitting in a, in a hole in the ground, calling everything they can find. So it's competition's pretty rough. Right. Uh, we got to stay well hidden. You rough, a lot of competition, a lot high pressured birds by that high pressure and extremely educated birds. I mean, that, yeah. the, your hide's going to be everything then. Yeah, it really is. And last year in the season, um, you know, I shot bird at 20 yards, you know, 15, 20 yards, right on top of us. 
perfect. You can't ask for anything more, especially when you get down south. I mean, we're pretty spoiled up here in Wisconsin. I mean, we're getting geese come through that it's only seeing some pressure through Canada. And I mean, we're the ones where we get some video or if we have the right spread on the right field. I mean, we'll have birds landing in our decoys and everything. But as the season wears on, I mean, we do, I mean, birds do get educated by boss, but nothing like down south. Yeah. Yeah. It gets rough down here. That's for sure. But it's tough to beat. It sure is fun. I've never hunted specs. I mean, it's completely, it looks complete, completely different than what I do up here for, for Canada geese. I mean, just the calling is completely different to begin with. Yeah. And I've never gotten to hunt uh, Canada geese. Uh, we, we shoot a few cacklers here, but not. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's just amazing. Like, I mean how the flyway is different and where the birds stop and how far the birds go down. And just, it just blows my mind, like how different and diverse, like certain areas, like we don't get specs here. We don't get snows here. I, I very rare. I mean, if someone shoots a speck or a snow in Wisconsin, it goes all over Facebook instantly just because it doesn't happen. Yeah. I guess y'all just don't have as much farmland there. Y'all are mostly dairy, huh? We have a lot and of corn. Arches. We have a lot of corn for dairy. We got a lot of corn for silage for dairy farms, though. Um, you get towards the center, central state, you'll get a lot of more potato farms. But we have quite a bit of corn here. But we don't see, I don't think they push this far east. I think they work that more northern through the Dakotas down. I just don't think they're hitting on this side of the Mississippi. Yeah, and it's like I said, it's, it changes so much. I mean, it's Arkansas, they used to not shoot specs. Like now they shoot tons of specs and it's strange in Arkansas, man, they can have a flat field, you know, no grass whatsoever. And they'll take a blind, one of those panel blinds, put it up with five feet of brush, stand up in the middle of nowhere, put 10 guys in it and shoot specs like crazy. Here they get, you put some, they won't come within 500 yards or something like that. See, it's crazy you bring that up because there's been a trend lately in this area. Everyone went to layout blinds because um, yeah. you're always jumping fields and everything else. And we're um, getting a lot of permission on farmers fields. Now you're seeing people transition back to A-flames and panel brides because it seems like geese are more leery of the like they're able to spot a layout blind better and they're not as leery of an A-frame. You kind of there's like this weird trend where it's going backwards almost. Huh. Yeah. Um yeah, it's like everything changes. It's just, it's crazy. Um, I mean, when I was a kid, we used to go hunt um, out central west, semi-west Texas. My dad was a big quail hunter. And, man, we'd go shoot ducks out there like crazy off those tanks. People didn't know what ducks were out there. Hardly. They didn't miss with them. Um, and now there's geese out there. There weren't geese out there for nothing. Um, but it just... It all changes in the flower. Like here, we've got a bunch of different factors against us on our duck hunting. Um, we've lost a lot of rice, rice, rice acreage um, sugar, to sugar cane. Sugar cane is more profitable, easier to farm. Right. 
And then, uh, and everybody's crawfishing now. You know, crawfish is a big business here, but that makes a deeper, deeper water feel. So they, the water's deeper. So ducks and geese can't feed in there as well. They don't like that. And then plus you got a crawfish boat running through there every day, checking traps. Sure. And plus they don't, they used to use these push boats. Well, st- some, a lot of them still do. Now some of them are going to airboats to check their traps. So that's not like a 747 running through there. Right. So- um, and then plus we lost White Lake was a big refuge. It, uh, is Amico used to have it. Amico was before BP. And it's this huge place down south of Gaydon where we hunt. It kind of central South Louisiana on the coast. And just marsh and rice and um just a phenomenal place to hunt. And BP worked out a deal with the state a few years ago where they donate the state to kind of work out a deal. And how everything goes in politics, you know, the state just runs it to the ground. The water's right. too deep there. They don't maintain the levees. But Ducks Unlimited is starting to put some money into it. So it's going to, hopefully that's going to help. But that's really hurt us. Not as many ducks come in winter there anymore. Sure. Just not the right habitat. Habitat's everything. I mean, yeah. And that's, and that kind of is what directs what traffic goes where as well. And if you don't have habitat, that goes for ducks, that goes for the breeding, that goes for the wintering, the feeding, goes for all your upland game birds. I mean, habitat really is the key to all of it. Oh, for sure. Because if you don't have it, they ain't coming. Right. If they, and if they come, they're going to turn around and go somewhere else. Well, then that's just it, right? I mean, ducks migrate, but if they're flying through and they don't find what they like, they'll just keep moving. They'll figure out yeah. where to go. Yeah, I mean, and they've done some study where they'll have – and birds are getting nocturnal, too. Man, it's – I was talking to a guy at Ducks Unlimited a few, um, few weeks ago at a convention, and he said they had – Biologists had a deal where they had a bird. I can't remember what count it was, um, but it would it would uh, be in central Louisiana, fly down to a rice field and feed every night, and then go back to the refuge uh, over a hundred miles every day. Just sit That's... there in the refuge all day, and and then some of them are here just go down, sit out in the Gulf all day. Sure. Go to the rice field to feed at night and go sit in the Gulf. You know, that doesn't surprise me at all because around the refuges on the Mississippi River, you get to see that trend. Whereas the birds will go out at night and feed. And as soon as the boats come out in the morning, they'll bump all the birds. They'll fly right back to that safe refuge and they will sit there until evening. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like everything. They get smart. They do. I mean... It's always funny. I always, people used to joke around and be like, oh, we're just doing them a favor because if they're decoying to a plastic silhouette that they deserve. And it's like, man, they got smart, though. I mean, decoys have gotten better. Blinds have gotten better. You have to do far more homework to get your scouting in and everything else. I mean, it, it's not as easy as it was for me 10, 15 years ago. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. I had a girl one time. She was trying to give me hell about duck hunting. And she said, well, that can't be that hard. They, they coming into those fake ducks like that i said well you ever seen a big building and you thought it was a mall and you started to pull in that's about the same thing i'm sure you do that <laughs> oh that's awesome that, that's a great analogy right there yeah <laughs> yeah but it's tricky i mean like for you with the pressure and 
as our season wears on, if we don't, I mean, we'll get good pushes of birds that keep coming through here because they don't stop here. But there's been plenty of times I've seen great pushes of like we'll get a good cold front come through and it's like all the birds move through at night. Like one day we have birds and the next day they're all gone. It's like, what just happened here? Like this was a good cold front. They just took that north wind and they skipped Wisconsin and headed right through Illinois. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy how much they can move like that. And you never know when it's going to happen. You never know, you know, it's going to be before the front, after the front, gets that right. north wind, what are they going to do? Um, it's like our teal here. We were having a great teal season. All of a sudden, it just got stale, man. It, was, it got tough last weekend, but we got a front coming through Wednesday, and everybody will be out Wednesday. No people be calling in sick all <laughs> For <laughs> it's the teal flu. I like it. Yeah. So how long is where we hunt is uh, right there in Gaydon, which is about 45, 50 minutes uh, southwest of Lafayette. And it's a, just a, a hunting community. I mean, everything. It's all rice fields. And I mean, it's you get up at you know, 530 in the morning and every truck you see is pulling aside to side. All it's, right. it's a strange place. I mean, everybody there comes to hunt. And we have several places like that here. We have Pecan Island down in the marsh, um, Hackberry in the marsh, Lake Charles. Um, and all from here, pretty much from uh, Gate on West, it's pretty much rice or marsh. So, so I've never. I've never hunted rice. I've never even honestly seen a rice field. Like, how deep is it? Like, you're using a side by side. So I'm assuming it's not that deep then. Um, for, for ducks and geese, we, we pretty much like it about four inches, just enough to float a decoy. Way um, shallower than I would have anticipated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a crawfish, if you got a crawfish field, it's going to be 18 inches or to two, to two feet, which we don't want. Uh, All right. Cause those ducks, those geese like to stand up. Got it. Um, so we, um. Uh, so like my spot this year, we're not even, I'm not even flooding it for ducks because the duck report is so bad. Um, we're going to disc the fields and then just uh, hold up rainwater. Because that's, that's what's best for smack about this with these. It's just a muddy field. Muddy field, that's all they want. And they'll pick through the grain that's left and everything yeah. else and yeah. mix I mean, that's real similar to what like the Canada is up here. Cause I mean, they're going into, they're going into cornfields that are either chopped or combined for silage. And they're just used to picking through all that scrap and they'll go in disc fields. They'll go in fields that just had fresh manure spread on them. They'll go through all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, it's amazing. What, you can tell when the geese here are about to leave and go back up North is they get into green fields and they start eating that green grass and get some more protein, I guess. Interesting. So do they normally make it? Do they storm? All right. So look, so you have your teal season right now. Is that an early season then? Or is like your teal open for? Uh, yeah, it's an early season. We teal, which you know, it's all blue wings. And it's, um, we started uh, weekend before last. And it'll go through this weekend. All right. So you get, that's us, what, two solid weeks pretty much then? Uh, about three weeks, three weekends, oh, three week, three weekends, and then um, then we shut down, and we'll fish until November. I think we open the second weekend in November. 
All right. All right. A little, I mean, that's quite a bit different than Wisconsin. I mean, I, our early teal season this year was 10 days, nine days, nine or 10 days. And then our early goose is 15. And then we get a little bit of a break. Then we have a youth hunt, which is just two days, which is the whole season's open for the kids, which I, I think is kind of cool. And then this coming weekend is now the Northern opener. And then the following is the Southern opener. Um, yeah, we hunt, let's see, we hunt the rice and, and then um, hunt the marsh to hunted the marsh Sunday. And we limited there to, and, but problem there is freaking alligators. Because you can't hunt your dog because it's alligator, too many alligators are out during when it's hot like this. So we, we lost three teal Sunday to uh, alligators. Great. Oh, that's that's something I never even considered. Like, there's no, like, I don't know, from a, being a Wisconsin boy, I don't know, man, if I could be hunting around gators. I was fishing in Florida, man, and they had me enough worried the, the way it was, and I was in a kayak at least. Yeah, when you're in the kayak, you feel kind of small when a big gator comes up beside you. Oh, yeah. No, they're not going to mess with you. you. I've done that before. You go, guys, I don't like this so much. <laughs> I was sitting there talking to one of the park guys down there. And he goes, oh, they'll just swim away from you. I'm like, man, that thing looked like the size of my kayak. I, oh, all, yeah. it's gonna take, all it takes is a tail slap to knock me in the water. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, he may not want you, but he can knock you out the cattle like that kayak. And then he may decide, oh, I may want him now. Yeah, yeah. He looks a little tasty now. Yeah. Now he's not as big and high off the water. <laughs> yeah. So – do you need like a good frost before the gators just go? Do they hibernate? I'm assuming. Yeah, and they'll they once you get down in the uh, 40s, and the water temperature gets down, they they won't be as active. They won't be feeding like that. They may still be around, but uh, you don't really have to worry about them. Got it. And we'll so you... see them pretty much all all winter because you know we have a lot of days it gets up 80 degrees. And then they'll start moving around a little bit, do some feeding. Yeah, but the water temperature is still low, so they, they don't really bother you that bad. Interesting. So as the season progresses and the water temperature drops, do you start using dogs down there then? Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah. Yeah, we use them in the rice fields, but not in uh, – I mean, you still got to worry about a, a bird going way off and crossing the canal and because the canals have a lot of gators in them. But uh, once the water temperature drops – we start using, but um, sometimes marsh hunters can't really use them open a weekend, can't use the dogs, but usually by the second weekend or so. Hopefully okay, we get it. a good front before then. Got it. So you just kind of got to watch the weather, watch the water temps, kind of see what the gators are doing before you bring your dogs out, which is something I don't have to deal with at all. But then again, come late season, my concern now that it comes for the dog is ice because I don't like running the dog when there's ice. Yeah, I can imagine. Because especially we've had ice a few times where you know it got thick on a it's scary for a dog. The problem the problem gets to be it gets too like especially if you're hunting from shore over water, the ice will be thick enough to support the dog until it hits thin ice and then it breaks through. And now the dog a lot of times can't claw its way back out. So now you're trying to get out there to rescue your dog because the dog's in the water, the dog's gonna freeze. And the, the ice isn't strong enough to support you either. So you're going to have to just break ice and get out there and get your dog. I mean, it's just, it turns into a real bad scenario. So once we get ice that I can't just stop out like the first, like whatever little bit from shore, 
Like if there's ice strong enough to support the dog that I know is going to break out, it's no longer dog. This dog season's over for me at that point for dogs. Uh, it's, yeah, we lose we lose too many. I mean, dogs. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Uh oh. There was two guys last year, two young guys that got on the Mississippi River here. I think they were out of Mississippi. And uh, poor thing still hadn't found them. Um, they got out there in, in rough weather and I don't know if we were boat capsized or what, but it just happens too much. Yeah. When you start getting, I mean, we we had uh, we lost someone over the Fourth of July weekend by us on the Wisconsin River. It was a boating accident. Didn't have his life jacket fastened. Fell out of his life vest. The river. I mean, it's hard to find someone in the river if they go if they go in. I mean, it, oh, especially yeah. especially when you start getting into duck hunting season. I mean, I'm I wear my life jacket anytime the big motors running. I've, I've just gotten in the habit of it because if I go in for whatever reason, I wear my kill cord on my wrist too. Because if I go in. I, even if worst case, somehow something happens, some sort of accident and I don't make it, I don't want to have to have rescuers out there looking for me for the next three weeks and put my family through that either. No, no, it's too easy to wear that life jacket. Right. And they don't take up that much room. I mean, it's not in, the, in my kayak. I wear it in the big boat. I wear it whenever that motor's running or in the kayak, whenever I'm in there, period. It's just, it's just worth it. Yeah. Yeah. You just, that's my main things. If you get in a boat, especially duck hunting in the dark, um, put that life jacket on and always keep those safeties on. Oh, absolutely. My uh, first rules at the camp, at the duck camp is, number one, don't shoot me. Number two, don't shoot my dog. Number three is, if you break rule number two, be, be prepared to break rule number one. <laughs> Mine's similar, only my, my first two rules are don't shoot my dog and then don't shoot my dog. <laughs> but that comes from like taking people out upland hunting where you just got to continuously drive in their head. Do not shoot at a low bird. Do not shoot at a low bird. Do not shoot at a low bird because that's how dogs get shot in the uplands. Yeah. Now, and I, especially in pit blinds because everybody's low. And so I, no matter how well a dog trained is, I see him. Chain those, you know, tie those dogs up. You know, right. Don't let them. Don't let them because any dog can break. I mean, Mine even the, all the time, except I keep her tied up. Even in the greatest dog, I mean, even the greatest dogs occasionally going to break, right? Even like the high oh, end yeah. dogs are. And then if you get a dog that, if you especially, and that make that can make for an interestingly dangerous situation because if you have an extremely steady dog. And then it does break that one time, and you got a guy that doesn't even think that that dog would break, and now the dog's out there. Like that instantly oh, yeah. became a super dangerous situation because it's so rare. Yeah. Um, yeah, mine. I had a um, one of our teal hunts. We we're just hunting off a levee, and the um, I had a one by two 
jammed down the levee and hammered down real, real low. And my dog, she, she broke, broke that one by two. Teal came and lit. And luckily nobody shot. But um, funny thing about the dog on that grass, last year we had, um, they're not cow panels. They're like the panels, those wire panels people use for uh, laying concrete. Okay. And they're real light, the wire panels. And then we put our grass, our grass mats on top of those. On the right. wire, zip tie them on there and stand it up. And as smart as my dog is, she ran through that grass mats twice last year, that wire, and knocked them down. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's how realistic that grass was looking. So I know you have the mats and I know you have the loose. I went with the loose. What? I mean, you've grasped a ton of pit blinds and everything else. What do you find is the best way to utilize it? Like what, like, like with your mats that are sewn on the bottom and loose at the top, I'm assuming you're working them up with the loose going up and you're not hanging it down. Yeah. On the, the, um, the 30 inch tall mats, we put them on, um, like wire panels that go on the pit blind and just kind of weave them up in, um, up through the, the wire. But a lot of people are using the bundle grass for that now, too, because you can just bundle it up and put it wherever you want it. It's really good for, like, breaking up straight lines. That's one of the hunter's worst parts is the straight line. Like, you got to break break that up and make it look real. And also that the holes of the blind from up top, the black holes, that's right. a good thing with bundle grass. You can use that to cover up those holes. Sure. Have you heard of anybody, like, have anybody, like, talked about how they're doing it on boats? Are, are they using more of your grass mats, or are they using more of that bundle grass on both lines? Everything. I mean, it's, I, I have I tell them all the time, I'm sorry I don't have a better answer for you, but, because we have a couple of different boat line kits that come with um, the mats and the mat, mesh and stuff. But some people, last year when we were out of the bundle grass, some people were ordering mats and cutting the, the wire. To, to use it as bundle grass. All right. Uh, it's just, it's kind of all over the board, man, what people are using it for. Interesting. Um, I will, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I went with the bundle grass, not necessarily because I thought it'd be easier because that's what you had in stock. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, unfortunately, that's all we've got in stock. We've had in stock. Um, it's, it's such an issue right now. I mean, I'm, I, we ran out of the mats last December, I think. And I thought, well, I'll hold off a little while before we make an order because it's going to take a while to get here, but nobody's going to be wanting it in February and stuff. Well, people started calling in February and messaging saying, you know, when are you going to have in stock? So we went ahead and placed a, a smaller order in April. Well, it was ready to go in May. It didn't get picked up until July 28th, and we still hadn't got. Oh. And it's just buku more expensive to get it too. I mean, to get it shipped. Right. And um, so we placed a large, large order um, after that one to make sure we got it everything in stock for September. Well, it had, um, let's see, it was last year for a container, it cost about $6,000 to ship to our door. Okay. For this one, they wanted they. Our normal people said it was going to be twenty one thousand to our door. 
Oh. In another place that it's going to be 18,200 to the door. I said, oh, great. Here, send it. You know, here's outside the paper. Well, then they him and hauled, him and hauled. When we can't get it, um, we got to wait. We got to wait. Then three weeks ago, they come back and said, well, New Orleans is no longer taking um, any shipments coming in because they're closing some ports because they don't have anybody to unload them. So it's got to go to LA. So instead of costing 18000 it's going to cost 31000 now. But wow. How do you expect us to do pricing and stuff when it keeps changing like this? And right. we don't know if we'll get it for duck season. That's but crazy. So got the, They got the thumb down on us, and it's killing us. Um, it's, just, it's just awful. And it's our, you know, you were saying how about, you know, our, earlier about it, but it may hurt ourselves because it lasts so long. Well, we're, we're trying to change our business model because when I first, we first started, we, you know, we wanted to get it in, the, in all kinds of stores. Well, with stores, you can't really, you can't make enough profit. You don't make as much profit. Right. And I, I contacted a big wholesaler I knew and I sent him some uh, samples of it. And he called me back and said, no, we're not going to take it. He said, the problem with this, it doesn't disintegrate after a year. Sure. So with the other stuff, they can just sell it year after year after year. Right. So, um, so we kind of changed it where, and and I like talking to people and people and send pictures and stuff. And we don't get that when we sell into the big stores. Right. Um, we, um, like, people I've talked to, man, like, I didn't know Salt Lake City, the, the big, great Salt Lake had so many duck hunters. There's tons of people that duck hunt there. Um, I mean, I don't know how many people I've talked to from Wisconsin. I knew Wisconsin was good hunting, but that's been a big state, big customer for us. Don't know how many that orders gotten from Napa, California. You know, Napa, all I think about is wine, which they still, none of them has sent me any wine from out there, but they, uh, so anyone, anyone listening from Napa, you want to get in on his good graces, send a couple, send a case of wine over to them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it is crazy how many from, from Napa, you know, that have ordered. That's crazy. I actually, I um, I lived in California for seven months, and I actually helped at a youth event for the Ducks Unlimited out there by San out, outside. Where, where were we? Somewhere outside of San Francisco for that event, and I was utterly shocked at the turnout at that event for a youth field day. They gave out a bunch of calls. They did classes. They did art stuff. I was shocked at the turnout in California for duck hunters. Like so, and. and I've been. I was to Napa multiple times. I don't even know where you would start. I don't even know where they're duck hunting over there. Yeah, I mean, I knew California was a big duck hunting and great speck belly hunting, but I just didn't think of Napa. You know, I thought that was right. like everybody sitting around drinking wine. <laughs> I, you got me. I've even been there, and I still don't know where they're going. Yeah, I don't know, but there's no telling how many orders we've had from Napa. Salt Lake, I knew about. Salt Lake, I read about on an old DU magazine back in the day, talking about like how great the Salt Lake is for hunting. And I was just thinking to myself, like, man, with the salt content in that body of water, it's just got to be brutal on equipment. Yeah, for sure. And it, what I can't remember who told me was was about it. It was the only thing is so much salt. There's no fish or anything. Only thing is these little bitty tiny freshwater shrimp. 
or some kind of shrimp, a little bitty tiny. And uh, that's what ducks eat there. Interesting. Uh, but, Interesting. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I don't started getting calls from Utah, and I'm like, God, where do y'all hunt? <laughs> but they do well. I mean, they kill swans and stuff out there. That'd be unique. I have not done that, nor have I made the trip to go um, for a sandhill crane yet either. I haven't either. Um, I've seen them out there, but I hadn't had never hunted them. I've heard I've them. They're really good. Are they? I haven't had oh, them yeah. yet. Oh yeah, they're delicious. Yeah. So yeah, they live up. Uh, they, they live up to that name of ribeye in the sky. Yes. Yes. I mean, they are delicious. Like because I cook a lot of ducks and geese, and um, I. I I love speckabellies, uh, teal, wood ducks, anything, but uh, sandhill cranes are really good. I'm going to have to make it happen. I'm just going to have to make it happen. Um, did you get one of our uh, dry shell bags? No, I did uh, not. That's one of the best things. I have to get that. I don't know why. Um, I got a sweet koozie, though. I'm using it right now, actually. I mean, oh, I'm a good. fan. <laughs> um, well, we had a special run in for a while where we were for our anniversary. We were sending. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's uh, this one got the spoonbill sticker on. I just stuck it in mine. I've been using this one, but it keeps your shells dry, and they don't fall out when you throw them in your bag. It's not like you know a little cardboard box. But sure. To me, that's the greatest. It's even better than the grass. Um. Are you hunting in the rain? It's it's hard as shells are to find this year, and as expensive as they are, you don't want your shells getting rusted. No, not at all. That in front, like as a like that thing's cool because like as a kayak hunter, like it is so hard to keep things like that dry. Like you're using dry boxes, you're using you're using roll top bags, and you're you're using whatever you can find just to keep it. Try to keep some of that stuff dry, especially your shells. Your shells are super important. All right, I'm gonna stick one in the mail to you now. I appreciate uh, it. it. Um, back Ducks Unlimited Magazine did a little feature. Did they put it in their new gear guide a couple of months ago? But they were going to put um, they do something on our uh, a grass. And I said, God, we we don't have any stock right now. Can't <laughs> no sense in advertising for it. <laughs> right. I mean, it the, the advertise it'd be uh, show it next year. Like save that, keep that one in your hip pocket till next year, and you can do your new product spotlight on my grass next year. But this year. I got this yeah. sweet little waterproof bag for you. This was the year we're supposed to make money, though. We're supposed to come out right. God, please, <laughs> it's it's killing us right now. You're shipping. You're not alone. I mean, in my industry, I'm in the waterworks industry. Like shipping, like for all of our like our import fittings and that, it's just so hard to come by. I have product on orders from February still that I'm probably not going to see until 2022. Wow. Um. Yeah, I tried to order a new uh, shotgun from Browning and a new A5. And I emailed them back a few weeks ago. And I said, you, you have any idea when it's going to ship? And they said, next year. <laughs> sometime next year. And it's sometime. They can't even give you an exact. It's just, uh, spring, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm telling these people, these shipping people, I said, what, when is, um, you know, this going to be, can you tell me, will I have this before duck season to ship out these people? Because we're, 
we're getting so many calls each day and emails and stuff. People say, when's, when's it coming in? And I can't guarantee anything. Right. Um, just, it's just, it's just so frustrating. It's just crazy times we're in right now. Um, this episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I don't know what we're going to do. It's just going to have to get out and shoot some ducks and geese. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, like shipping and, and that's just one of those things you can, can try to control it, but you can't. Like, there's you just, I mean, you know, it's bad when a company the size of Home Depot buys their own container ship. Yeah, oh, yeah. And a friend of mine I was hunting with this weekend, he was out in California doing something, and he said he flew out of John Wayne Airport, and I guess they went over up over the Pacific. He said just the container ships out there was crazy. Just sitting there out, out in the port. I don't know. I have no idea. I know it's bad. I know there's a traffic jam out there. I don't true. I mean, the only thing I can guess is it comes back to a labor issue. And if you've tried to hire anybody recently, you know how hard it is to find anyone just to hire. It, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I know. And I, but I don't understand now that the extended unemployment. Why? Right. Um, that's out. So surely people got to get it back after work sometime. sometime. I don't know if I don't I don't see how the, all these different I don't get it. I don't get if the, if they're still not from that, if they're somehow all these industries created more jobs because of a boom and there's just a complete lack of people for the workforce. I have no idea. Like it makes no sense to me how it's so hard to find. I, I, I don't even need someone that's got any type of industry experience at this point. We're just willing to train and we can't find someone that's even willing to like apply. Wow. And I know a lot and I know a lot of our manufacturers are having the same thing because they're so far behind. They want to start second shifts and they're like, we can barely we can barely staff our first shift, let alone try to start a second shift up now. Yeah. And it's the shotgun shells are gonna be so hard to find. Um I mean, I, every time I see a box, I buy it. I did the same thing over winter. I did the same thing over summer. I mean, I'd pick up a couple boxes here. I wasn't, I wasn't hoarding. I would, if there's, if they had just got a shipment in, I'd grab a couple boxes I'd grab a couple boxes. I'd grab a couple box, like at every shipment from like a different store here and a different store there. Whenever I saw they had a good enough stock, I've got enough only because I planned ahead all summer long thinking it would probably be an issue. Yeah, it's because I'll go into stores here and they'll be, you know, the whole shelf place is empty. Some of the stores up by me, they don't even have the shelves anymore. They have it all back behind the gun counter now because it's so small and they were having such high theft rates where they, they don't even have shotgun shelves anymore on the shelves. They have it all on a rack behind the gun counter now. Wow. Whew. It's just crazy yeah, it's gonna, how much things changed. It's going to be rough. I'm, uh, I'm I'm saving shells as much as I can. Um, we we don't always take good shots, but really make sure you know send that dog 
Yeah. Yeah. You got to make every shot count at this point. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, we were hunting teal the other day and it, my dog was chasing one and it kept diving on her. The guy said, shoot. I said, I'm trying to save these shells as much as I can. <laughs> make that dog work. <laughs> Tell that dog to swim. Yeah. <laughs> She'll catch that bird. May take her a little longer. She's been fat. She's she been eating cat food all. We got a cat. She's been eating that cat food. She's been sneaking that cat food out, eating that. So she got fat over the summer. So she need to, she need to lose weight. Just make her t- do a little bit of duck search. That'll get it done, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's funny. So what part well, was- of uh, Wisconsin y'all in? I'm in southern Wisconsin, more southern central. I'm just outside of Madison. But I, I just got back from a trip over in the Mississippi River. I'm heading, I do a lot of, I do a, come October, like end of September, most of October. I'm in the north, the north part of the state more than I'm in the southern part of the state. I save all my vacation for it because I'm a big, I'm a duck hunter. But even more than that, I'm an upland hunter. And up north is where my grouse are. So I, sp- I save my vacation time. I got my camper. I drag it up there. I'll do five days, seven days at a time. That's me. Like come, come October. That's where I'm at. Oh, cool. So y'all hunt grouse? We do. We've got got a decent grouse population up north. And then we get a lot of woodcock that come through here as well. So I do a lot of woodcock hunting. Uh, um, Yeah, I didn't know Wisconsin was... I thought that was pheasant. I didn't know they had grouse. Uh, our pheasants now, wild birds are very rare. We don't have a good wild pheasant population. We have the DNR has a program where they raise birds and set and put them out on specific fields for hunters. But the wild population as farming practices change. You don't have this overgrown fence rows anymore. You don't have the side, you don't have the you don't have that knee-high corn stalk sitting up all winter for cover. Um, now that they're doing all the silage for corn and straight combining, and they've just been able to expand their fields farther and get closer and closer to property lines without those fence rows, the pheasants just lost their breeding habitat. Uh, uh, we had a, I never had pheasant before, and they had a customer of ours from uh, Nevada. And he called me last year and said, Man, I, I'm going to send you some pheasants. And he, he overnighted 14 pheasants. And man, they were delicious. I stuffed with some with some boudin and uh, bell pepper and stuff, and put them on a pit. And I made a uh, pheasant sauce pecan. Man, it's really good birds. Pheasants a good eating bird. Pheasants right up there. Like I, I really like grouse. That's also like it's not as white as chicken. You got that like little bit of pink to it, just like pheasant, but it's not a red meat at all. It's definitely a white meat. Grouse is real similar. Huh. Yeah, I've never had grouse either. I tell you, I'd send you a couple, but then things are so hard to hit. I'm lucky if I get a couple. (laughs) I'll be honest on those birds, man. I've never claimed to be like this. Like I'll put birds up. My dog does great on it, but them little birds, they're, they're smaller than a pheasant. The cover you're in, I can't count how many pine trees and elders have saved, have have jumped in the way to save a grouse's life. Yeah, every every time picture I've seen of grouse hunting, it's in heavy cover like that. So I would, I would be willing to bet I maybe 
maybe harvest one out of 30 I move. Really? Yeah. I know guys that do way better than me, and I'm pretty selective on my shots only because I don't think I'm going to hit them. So, like, I don't take it unless it's a clean shot. But I've seen guys take shots that and drop birds. And I'm just like, man, I can't believe you shot through that much foliage and took that bird. So maybe I'm pretty selective, but it is not an easy bird. Wow. Um, yeah, I've never um, – I've hunted woodcock. Well, we hadn't really hunted. We used to quail hunt so much, and we'd run some woodcock every once in a while. Sure. But nothing close to a grouse. Woodcock is pretty – like, when it comes to terms of hunting, though, woodcock's similar because you're in that thicker cover. Woodcock's a dr more wet, wet or moist soil compared to, like, the grouse, which you're working, like – you're working different like age cuts like a pine transition to like poplar or, or like just different transitions but like that 15 year old forest where it's still thick enough where you'll walk up bloody now uh, what type of use setters or pointers for those um i started my upland hunting with a lab um he did phenomenal he was great i have now switched to a wired hair so i'm doing a pointer Um, yeah, we always have pointers. My dad did for bird hunting. Uh, we loved it was quail hunting. It was great. It was great. And, but it would, we'd go out to te Texas once Louisiana hunting got bad and it would be, uh, you know, spend all this money, go out there and set up camp and drag a trailer out there. And it may open a day. You may shoot two birds, drag it sure. all the way back. But then if they got some rain that spring, next spring, it'd be birds all over the place. But we didn't get that. We didn't get too many good years out there. Late, lately, they've been having some good years. Well, that's a good thing. It's always nice to hear the population of in a specific area is coming back. Yeah, it's it's really crazy how quick the quail population can come back if they get a wet spring. Sure, you just need that breeding habitat. Yeah. It is Louisiana here. We don't have any. We don't have any habitat anymore. And that's kind of the same for Wisconsin. We just don't have that pheasant habitat anymore, other than the DNRs managing and putting out birds on. And even even that habitat doesn't have enough winter cover, and definitely doesn't have enough spring breeding cover. Uh -huh. uh, well, I hope y'all push some ducks down pretty soon. Y'all, y'all go ahead and keep some. Just don't. Uh, we need them around November. No, around November. I mean, our season's just getting good around November. I mean, but, but last couple of years, we froze up pretty early up here. I mean, late, like middle of middle of November now, it's going to be hit or miss if we're going to be starting to lock up or not. Um, yeah, it's a, you know, we start, I think, the second weekend of November, and we go through the end of January. Now, our right. belly season goes, we got another week into February, I think. So that's quite, I mean, that's quite a bit different because we're done like by the beginning of December. So um, you'll come try to shoot a speck of belly. Come on down. I, I'm going to keep that in mind. Absolutely. That's definitely on the list for sure. I've never hunted rice field or speck. So that's, that's killed two birds with one stone kind of deal for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, he's got the camp is, uh, it's a camp. <laughs> I mean, it, you got, <laughs> Places to sleep and eat. 
Um, my wife doesn't like it. She doesn't say it's not nice enough. Well, it's nice enough for us. I'm used to doing grouse. My the twelfth year grouse camps coming up, and we do we do that in my camper. So <laughs> now my camper's not too shabby. Don't get me wrong, but I mean you're still camping. Yeah. Yeah, I've been in far worse, man. We used to stay in some motels out in Texas, those Indian motels, not you know, the other Indians. Now they, they had hotels out there, not the Native American Indians. And um, there's some, you know, those dead oil field towns. There's some bad motels out there. But they're cheap, right? So it makes it worth it ish. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are <laughs> all the choices we had. <laughs> Amazing. Crazy the stories you can find from hunters. Oh yeah, it's um, yeah, it's been crazy. That's you get hunters together, and that's nothing that us. I mean, but you would think we'd have one complaint about something. Somebody didn't like something, but and it, the understanding people have had, you know, I'm starting to get a couple of people call and say, you know, can you refund? You know, if it hadn't shipped, go ahead and refund because we're starting up. But right. Which I certainly understand. Um, other people, you know, like Rogers Sporting Goods, they still had some stock um, from last year because they didn't really advertise they had it. They still had some last year. So a few weeks ago, I started alert, alerting the people that wanted that size mat. I knew their season were coming up. I we emailed everybody. It's like, if you want to buy it from them, we go, we'll cancel your order. You go buy it from them. And not a one canceled their order. They said, several of them said, I'm going to buy from them, but I'm going to keep my order with you. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's it's been amazing the way people are. Way I, mean, that's, I mean, that's really good. I mean, you're being upfront with people. You're not lying about lead times. You're not saying, oh, it's going to ship in a week. Week comes. Oh, it's going to be another week. I mean, you're being upfront with them. And you're like, hey, I'm doing everything I can to get it here, but I don't even know when it's coming. Yeah, I mean, I, I had told them last April, I said, well, I think June. And then June turned into July, and July turned into August. Now it's September. And right. So all we've got now is the rice, corn stalk, um, bundle grass, and people are ordering it, but it's starting to run low itself. <laughs> so you're saying if I want to order another 20 pounds, I better get on it pretty quick. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would. Um, I'm just, I mean, that, we've got that other, the small shipments coming in, and it'll be, it's in, they moved it off the ship into a warehouse. Now they're trying to get it on a truck or train or something or a plane or automobile. And, but I don't have a guaranteed date where we're going to get it. The one I'm worried about is the big order coming in, and I'm, I don't want to be sitting on it in December. Especially right. after paying all this money to have it shipped. Right. Yeah, that's that's a whole other concern. I mean, sitting on inventory, that's not going to sell because you got it so late in the season. It's not like you can just send it back to your vendor and be like, oh, you missed your, you missed your deadline. That It doesn't no. work that way. No, and my, our people in China are saying, when are you going to get this out of our warehouse? Because it's, it's taking up a, it's a lot of boxes. And they're right. big, heavy boxes. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm the there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.
Like I'm doing everything I can. Trust me. Hey, you get it on, you find a container that can get it here for a good price. Yeah. I'll move it that day. Like you, yeah. you figure. Especially one that's not going to change ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 every week. Right. You, you get me some shipping. I'll take that right now. I'll take more. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Cause it's it's a headache. It's my wife came in the office the other day, and I was sitting there like this. She said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm just trying not to cry right now." <laughs> yes, it's it's nuts how how much our how much the industries revolve around shipping and with what's happening with shipping, it's just changing everything. Yeah, it's uh, you know. I've never heard of the Suez Canal, I don't think, before this year. Right. I got stuck in there, and um, that that put everything behind. And now it's like the ports are all like, I've told people, it's like um, you get that person that's never, that hadn't worked their dog before, and they hadn't backed up their boat trailer before, and they get out there opening day, and the lab gets out the truck, running around they're they're trying to back up the boat trailer hadn't put anything in their boat got every the whole boat ramp blocked up that's kind of what everything is right now i would that's a really that's that's a really good statement for it all you're right i mean it's like the whole shipping industry is like just one big jumbled mess and they're so far behind they don't even know where to start to get their way out of it yeah uh, i don't know um i wish we'd get out of it but i don't know when it's gonna be like i don't know like Around here, you pass a, a car lot, a truck, you know, a place that sells vehicles. They don't have any trucks on the lot. Right. It's every single industry is affected. And I think that's part of what's probably helping people be somewhat understanding. It's like you can't just go anywhere and get what you like. You go out, you can't find shotgun shells. You have, you're waiting on your shipments. I mean, Ford's waiting on microchips for their computers. I mean, it's just every single industry is affected somehow by this right now. I know. It's it's just awful. It's awful. And people ask me, you know, why don't you have it made here? Well, I would love to have it made here. But these mats are hand-sewn. And you find me that somebody wants to sit there and hand-sew these mats every day, but they don't have to pay them $80 an hour. Right. Because uh, I hadn't found anybody that wants to sit there and sew these little mats up all day. Um, and so those mats, are those your bundle grass sewn together? Is that how you create your mats on? Is it the same grass? Yeah, it's the same grass. Uh-huh. Got it. Yeah, it's all the same grass. It's just the mats are, um, I think the, um, the short mats, I think those are like 65-inch strands that are doubled and sewn on one end. And then the uh, four foot tall mats are just the regular bundle grass that are sewn together. Got it. Got it. And like you had mentioned quickly, like you have three different colors. Um, the rice and corn stalk is what I picked up. How much different is the fall blend? Because it's kind of hard to tell on your website, like just how different those two colors really are. Yeah, it's the, the pictures are a little harder. To, um, the, the fall blend has a little more a little darker colors, a little more brown. Okay. Than the rice corn stalk. Okay. Um, and um, the you know the rice corn stalk, it's more like you know 
I don't know if y'all have Johnson grass up there. Um, but it's just like a dead grass look color. Right. Yeah. Kind I, of like I, I green, think, green color with mildew on it. Right. And I think it's, it actually reminds me a lot of like fall dead reeds is what it really reminds me of as well. Yeah. But the strange thing is a lot of people that hunt cattails, they want the fall blend. Sure. Um, so. I don't know. I would have thought the, the the light color like you got would have been better for for cattails, but you know I guess both of them look good. You have you have different shades and all types of grasses. You know, like the, right. the hardest thing we've had to do is match a green. The the first grass we got for green, um, I made the match up with grass, actual grass, but we get the mats in and they were too bright. And sure. I mean, it was just. Um, you know, we still sold, sold them, but I would tell everybody to call in. I said, look, this, this is bright. Once you get, if you, if you tie it in with the, the fall blend or the, the rice cord, it looks fine. You know, use some pieces here and there, but a, a mat by itself is, is bright. Sure. And, but I think the new, we, we made more of a blend on this new grass. This, the new green is going to look better. Um, but, and then, the strange thing is also that um, green grass shines. Any type of green grass, like if you, when the sun hits it, it shines a little bit. Sure. Dead Just a little more green. reflective. Yeah. So um, I think we ever get the stock in, we'll, we'll be good. But just can't guarantee that right now. Understood. I mean, I get it. I, I, I hope everyone gets it. Um, why don't you tell everyone how, how to find you? All right. Our, uh, our Facebook is uh, Blind Grass. Our Instagram is Blind Grass Camo. And website is um, uh, blindgrass.com. Simple phone enough. I mean, it's 337 257 0318. I think those are all things we got. Uh, yeah, I mean, you. I mean, your shipping was quick. I mean, I obviously purchased something that you had in stock, but I mean, the shipping was quick, and you got it out right after that hurricane, and I had it in days. Like it was like perfect. Like it was amazing. Well, good. Well, good. I'm glad you like it. I do. I do. I'm, I got to get my. I got to get some camo netting on the blind, and then I'll get that grass all grassed in, and we'll see. I might have to order another twenty pounds. I got to. I got to see how far twenty goes on my boat. Um, yeah, it'll go, what I tell most people, if you use it, I guess your boat may be different, but if you use it lengthwise, eight pounds will cover about six linear feet and four feet tall. That's covered, pretty good coverage. Sure. Um, but, you know, some people don't need that much coverage. Like for panel blinds, like A-frames or something, if it's got good camouflage on there, what you mostly need is to break it up. Break up those straight lines and uh, right. just break it up. So it doesn't have to be the whole thing covered. And if you're in grass, the bottom doesn't even have to be covered because it's got the grass in it. What I thought about those A-frames, if you're using two, you really got to cover something over the top. Sure. And that makes sense because birds are higher, right? I mean, yeah. they're not going to see over, that bottom. They come over and they can see that black hole. It, at least around here, they, they don't like that at all. Yep. 
I mean, definitely overhead. And that's one place that's so easy for people just not to pay attention to is the overhead aspect. Yeah. And it's because especially speculators, man, they can get up there and they just hover right on top of the blind. And it seems like they can last there for 30 seconds that I've moved. And they just looking <laughs> down the whole time. They look into those decoys. They looking down at that blind. They looking where that sound was coming from. And they're, they're waiting for any little bit of movement to tell them to leave. Yeah, any any movement, anything, and you hear that, and they go. <laughs> uh, and that's how it is. I mean, even even Canada geese up here are the same thing. I was hunting with a buddy, and he actually just got his first goose. I got him on his got him on a decent goose hunt. And he got his first goose on that hunt. We're out the next morning. We had a single coming in. It was coming in from the backside, and I didn't have my blind on my boat, so we just wedged it in some reeds and broke a bunch over. Um. I'm like, all right, it's, it's locked up. It was coming in real nice. I'm like, get ready. And he went and took his hand and he moved it from like his thigh, like right next to him onto his shotgun. And that, that like that bird saw that little bit of movement and it, it was gone. I'm like, it, it, oh, yeah. it, it, it was gone instantly. It's incredible what they can see. And then, and then you can be out the blind walking around, messing around. And one comes right in. Doesn't, right. Doesn't care about you. They're fickle little birds. It makes it frustrating. Yeah, but it makes it fun, right? Because it it, if it'd be too easy, I probably wouldn't want to do it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I like some of the easy hunts, but, yeah, the challenging ones are fun, too. The challenging ones are where the memories come from. Yeah, um, that's for sure. And as long as you can get a few to do what you want to, right? it makes it all good. Exactly. Well, I'm going to give the next little bit to you. You can thank whoever you want to thank. Um, do you have any shout-outs to anybody you want to? Uh, just, man, let's keep these hurricanes away. I um, uh, appreciate you having us on. Um, but, you know, anybody, anybody can send anything to south, southeast Louisiana, help those people out. Um, it's going to be a long haul to get some of that stuff ready. I mean, it's... There's people who lost their livelihoods, a lot of fishing guides, hunting guides, uh, other everyday people, everyday jobs that just, they're not going to be able to do anything for a while. It's going to be a rough patch to go. And it's, it's hot down here without losing electricity. I can only imagine. You got that humidity and that heat down there. Yeah. For sure. I appreciate you coming on tonight. Um, it was great. Um, I think you got an amazing product. I, I, I think if that, once you get your stock in, which it's going to come or cause you got that bundle grass in stock, I'm, I'm probably going to order more after this, before this show airs, just in case there's like a huge surge for you. Um, which I hope there is. I really hope there is honestly. Um, for all the duck hunters up here, whoever, everywhere. I mean, this stuff is the real deal. If you want something that's going to last and not soak up that water where you have to worry about it and make a kayak heavy or make your boat heavy and it's not going to rot away on you in two years. I mean, if you check this out in person, you're going to be sold instantly. You really are. And it doesn't stink either. Like it, it doesn't smell like wet, drying grass after a hunt. No, that's one thing I look at is a pit wine. Then you always got water in the bottom mixed with mud and then that grass, that dead grass. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, I mean, that's just another advantage right there, not rotting away on you, no, no mold. You don't get that smell that goes with all that. I mean, yeah. Doesn't bother the allergies. 
Didn't even think about the allergy part. That's that's true too. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody with allergies, they've had a problem with other stuff. Oh, I can imagine. Well, I appreciate you coming on tonight. I want to thank all my listeners again. Um, like every week, couldn't do this without you guys. If you guys didn't tune in, I'd just be talking to no one. So I highly appreciate it. Make sure you check out blindgrass.com. Check them out on Facebook. Check them out on Instagram. He gave you all the information a little bit before. And thanks for coming on, Jay. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. That's fun. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And everyone sure, else? Come, make, give us a holler and come down here and shoot us back about it. Yeah, hold on one second. I'll talk to you after the show here. And okay. then to everyone else, uh, thanks so much. And until next time. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water shout out to rocktown adventures located in northern illinois for all your kayaking camping and hiking needs shout out to jig masters jigs when in doubt get the jig out go to jigmasters.com